0: Touchdown Los Angeles. You are locked on Rams. Your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. LA, Part LA,
1: of the locked LA, on podcast network. When the pain come, it's alright. I can't complain. No, the sun's shining down on me. Yeah. Alright, When the rain fall. it's alright.
0: Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy, Bear Motter of Rams Podcast. But this is Lockdown Rams. Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. We've got our man Jake Ellenbogen with us from downtown Rams. We will get to him in just a minute. Uh, We've got a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk about this O line and about Jared Goff, and we're going to talk about some of the injuries that we've had and looking at this matchup versus the Bears and uh, what we think about all of our primetime games coming up and Try to give you guys some hope on chances of still making the playoffs. Because if you look at it, statistically, the Rams are still in this thing in a very crowded NFC West. But they don't have many more chances to kind of uh, lose a game and be okay with it. We're going to talk about all that as we looked last week at Pittsburgh as a must-win game. We lost that. So I'm assuming moving forward, everything else kind of turns into a must-win game. So we're going to talk about all that, as I mentioned, with Jake Ellenbogen Uh, But guys, don't forget to go give us a follow on social media. You can find Jake at JKBoganDTR as well as Downtown Rams. They're putting up the Downtown Rams football podcast as well as the halftime show. Uh, Make sure to check out both those. Hit the subscribe button. You can find all of our shows on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. Uh, As I mentioned, hit the subscribe, like, share, leave a comment. All that stuff feels good. We appreciate it. It helps us kind of climb up in the rankings and find some more listeners. We always appreciate you guys interacting, whether that's on social or even just listening to us, and uh, you know, on a daily basis. And here with Lockdown Rams, you know, you guys know that we're doing it five days a week, your team every day, only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. But like I said, we've got Jake Ellenbogen today. We've got a packed show. So with that, let's just jump right into it. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. I'm joined by Jake Ellenbogen of Downtown Rams, and this is your lead story. Jake, last year's Bears game was one of the turning points in the season where Jared Goff and this offense kind of just hit a wall. Obviously, they're coming off a game where the offense played pretty terrible. Pile on all the injuries. How do you look at this matchup versus the Bears and have expectations or even optimism that this week will have a positive result? Yeah, it's a great question.
2: Um, I'll start off by saying Vic Fangio no longer is the defensive coordinator there. Uh, You know, Chuck Pagano, he is a very good coach, Okay. May not have worked as a head coach, but he's a good defensive coordinator uh, from his time in Baltimore. But I'll say this right now. Chuck Pagano is not what Fangio was last year. The Bears are not what they were last year. This is not a playoff team. Um, So, you know, they're really clinging on. Um, You want to talk about the Rams being in must-win mode. The Bears are beyond that. Um, They have to literally win every single game the rest of the year, and they have to do it with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Uh, with their pass rush not getting as much pressure as years prior and with them not scheming uh, the defense the way Fangio schemed it last year. And I think that's a very important thing I'm going to bring up here because, you know, one of the craziest things about Fangio's defense last year and is why Jared Goff threw four interceptions. You know, when you have somebody like Eddie Jackson and you have Adrian Amos and you have Prince Amukamara and Kyle Fuller, I mean, keep in mind, they lost Amos and they lost Fangio. But when you have those guys, Fangio was really able to develop a plan in the secondary. You could use Eddie Jackson as kind of your center fielder. He ran a 4-3 coming out of uh, Alabama. And this is somebody that only fell because of the injuries. He's one of the best safeties in the league when healthy. And his range really allows you to just platoon him in the middle of the field and, you know, challenge the quarterback. If he wants to go down the sideline to the left side, you know, he firmly believed in Eddie Jackson to make the play and to really bait the quarterback into it. Eddie Jackson can cover, you know, all lengths of the field. So really, that's number one. That's the biggest key here. Um, You know, last year they had that type of firepower on defense. They just added Khalil Mac. You know, what's funny is when you open up a present on Christmas, um, whatever it is, that time you open up the present is the most cherished time you will own that present. Right. Because that, you know what I mean? And I feel like and I know it sounds weird, but I feel like Chicago opened up that present with Khalil Mac, started off the year last year, uh, you know. Forced the fumble on Aaron Rodgers and took it to the house. And everyone's like, Oh my, what is this? He's better than Donald. I heard that. Okay. Literally heard that last year. Um, and, and to me, he's not having a bad year. He's just not having a cool Mac year. And to me, if he's not going to have, you know, an Aaron Donald type of, um, you know, effect on the game consistently, he wasn't worth all those picks. <laughs> and, This is really the interesting thing I'm going to get into uh, with the with the Bears, uh, because guess what? Everyone's talking about, well, you know, the Bears have Matt Nagy. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if Matt Nagy knows what he's even doing. Um, They had Tariq Cohen and they had Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard was the third most productive running back over the last couple of years in the league. And they literally just shipped him away for like no apparent reason to the Eagles and got what, a six rounder? Oh, boy. Awesome, special teamer. Um, But what did they do? They replaced him with David Montgomery. When did they draft him? In the third round, their first pick of the entire 2020 draft, or 2019 draft. So I guess really where I'm getting at is the Bears traded a lot of draft capital to acquire Khalil Mack. And that was, in a sense, they had all the pieces and all of that. But what if last year was kind of a fluke, and you let the brains leave the building in Vic Fangio? And you let the underrated Adrian Amos leave him free agency to your division rival Green Bay. And maybe just maybe drafting a bunch of uh, depth in the secondary, um, drafting a running back in the third round might not have been the, the best approach. Maybe, maybe just maybe that's the case. And maybe just maybe all of those picks and not winning this year can set your team back. Now, I know everyone's talking about the Rams and how, oh, well, the Rams are setting him back. Oh, they need to trade Jared Goff. This is a game where, like, obviously the Rams 100% have to win, but I want all Rams fans to listen to what I just said. Maybe even just put it in, like, 0.5 speed so you can understand what I'm saying when I say the Bears are in a way worse situation than the L.A. Rams. The Rams don't have to trade Jared Goff the Rams don't have to do any of those moves that have been talked about
0: online. Okay. Real quick. Want to jump in there because, you know, to kind of play devil's advocate here and, and to kind of the, the point that you're making with some of the arguments out there about the bears and the Rams and the similarities of the positions they are in and, And yes, I think me and you believe in Jared Goff, and there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of doubts on him, and he's kind of really feeding into that this year with his play and how he's kind of done. But we've signed up for a long term with him, and we are committed. And whether or not you have the people out there that say trade him, which I do agree with you that that's ridiculous at this point because – also, if you think he's an average quarterback, the people that want to trade him, uh, people around the league, do you think they're going to want to take a guy that's an average quarterback at $110 million guarantee? It's just not going to happen. We're not going to get off the books with Jared Goff uh, for you know a handful of years at this point. The one thing the Bears do have that I do see as a value over where the Rams are in the position, they haven't paid Mitch, right? It was a mistake. They gave up draft capital. They went up and got him number two. I talked earlier with my brother about this, and you know, you're looking at uh, Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes in that same draft later on that the Bears probably wouldn't have had to give up so much to go get. But they don't have to pay Mitch and they can move on and kind of restart that. Uh the Rams are committed, whether you believe it or not, I think there is an opportunity for Jared Goff to come back next year with hopefully signing maybe some free agent talent up front to kind of give them a better line. Uh hopefully some development in some of those young guys, but there still might be some trouble on, on that front as well. But um, you know, we're stuck with our quarterback and what we've done as far as money we've we've kind of put our uh, you know, feet firm in the sand and basically said, Hey, this is who we're going to pay. And that may come back to bite us. And and that's one of the things that less needs kind of getting a little bit of grief here is our O line falls apart, which we'll talk about here uh, in the next segment. But uh, both these teams though, you're right. I mean, this was a phrase I've been using all week that I kind of took from my brother on the Tuesday edition, but you know, this is a play out game. And this is, you know, the loser of this game may be out of the playoffs. I think the Rams still have a chance. And we talked about that before we got on the pod that win or lose, the Rams still have an outside chance to make this uh playoff picture. But the way that they're playing doesn't give us much hope. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more uh coming up. Again, we're gonna talk about the O line, we're gonna talk about the matchup, we're gonna talk about Jared Goff, the quarterback, and how he can turn it around. All that coming up more. Lockdown Rams Thursday, right after this. Last year, I talked to you about my man, Dave Robles. He's out here in the real estate game, killing it. He works with a group called Think Real Estate. They're part of Keller Williams. And he is hands down the best in the game out here in Los Angeles. If you are looking to buy or sell a home, you have to contact Dave immediately. He has been a top producing realtor in LA for over 20 years. He knows Los Angeles in and out. He is a LA native. He's a Rams fan. I've had multiple conversations with him. He is a super awesome guy. All you got to do, go check out his website, DaveRobles.com. That's D-A-V-E-R-O-B-L-E-S.com. Or just give him a call, 213-712-4343. Tell him Bear Motter and mention you heard him on Lockdown Rams. And this is where it gets interesting, folks. He is willing to give you season tickets in the new stadium 2020 for the Rams season tickets if you buy or sell a home with them listen i'm thinking right now i'm in an apartment i'm thinking how do i get out of here and buy a damn home right now because 2020 season tickets season tickets to the brand new stadium dave Robus is gonna get you a seat all you gotta do buy or sell a home hit them up even if you're just thinking if you're throwing this idea around or even now you heard you can get season tickets and you're telling your wife we gotta move now call them 213 712 4343, or go to daverobles.com. That is D A V E R O B L E S.com. Also, sponsoring the podcast and potentially sponsoring your wallet is mybookie.ag. Game winning touchdowns on a two minute drive, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to throw a little cash down on them. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. Whether you like betting on fantasy players, they got you covered there. Do you like parlays? Betting a little bit, winning a lot. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet on the NFL season, this is the best time of the year. My favorite is betting in game, live during the action. Let's say the Rams are down 10 at half. You think they're gonna come back and win. You can bet, hedge your bet, however you wanna do it, but you can bet during the action. I love that part of this with my bookie. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
1: It's all right, I can't complain, no. The sun's shining down on me, yeah. All right, right when the rain fall, It's all right, right when the pain comes. It's all right all right we are back with jake ellen bogan
0: from downtown rams he joins us on our thursday edition per usual Uh, we got out in the gate we kind of talked about uh having some optimism about this game and coming into it and you know i know that you've uh, continue to stay behind these Rams and believe that they can win every game that they're going into, that they have offensive weapons, if they can get the ball to these guys. Uh, and the defense has been playing better than we've seen in the last, you know, handful, two, three years uh, out here, especially while they've been in Los Angeles. So our defense is really, been you know picking it up on that side of the ball, but the Rams have had eight players that have headed to IR this season. Eight uh, that includes the two starting O-linemen that we went into length about this off season, talking about how they were going to fill in. They couldn't even make it through the whole season. Uh, it's a tough thing to do as an o lineman, especially as uh, you know guys coming in in their first year starting. But when you look at this o line now. Uh, You got a bunch of new faces, a bunch of guys that were, you know, we had a we have a right guard playing at center now who was also playing at left guard earlier in that game. Uh, You know, we've also moved around Edwards from left guard to right guard to right tackle. Uh, Who concerns you most with this O-line? And is there anything to be positive about this O-line coming into this game? Yeah, so I I do want to
2: bring this up because I'm actually I'm, I'm really glad you said that the way you said that, too is there you know anything good about you know this offensive line coming in this game well rams fans never fear i'm here okay <laughs> let me let me just pitch you a fastball and uh and just understand this the rams had every opportunity to win that game and a game they didn't really deserve right okay they also were fleeced by the officials i mean they had a call um Mason Rudolph, he literally pump faked it uh, when Clay Matthews was in his face, and then he just dropped the ball, and they're like, eh, that's not a fumble. Jared Goff throws a forward pass that goes over the line of scrimmage. That's a fumble. Yeah. And that was honestly, that was a backbreaker early on, too. Now, it gets worse. The pass interference call that, I mean, if you didn't hear my podcast, oh, my God, I was livid man i'll tell you right now wasn't pass interference i'll tell you why because it was illegal contact and if you don't rule it illegal contact then it, there's no foul on the play because it wasn't catchable right um so to take away the interception was ridiculous credit the steelers they absolutely deserved to win the game i said that over and over and over again but my point is the rams had a shot and in a game where they really shouldn't have the offense didn't play well um they abandoned the run when you know Todd Gurley was averaging 6.1 yards per carry, 12 carries, 73 yards. I have those in brain in my head because right. guess what? I mean, the bottom line is the engine that drives this offense is Todd Gurley, and we continue to watch Sean McVay and company um, not use him. And you know what I'm saying is, the, basically what I'm saying about all this is that the Rams had a huge opportunity to win a game that they shouldn't have won. Coming off a of bye, you can talk about the freshness, I would also make the argument they were kind of, you know, stale coming off the bye. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, just kind of rusty, right? You know, you come from London, London, you get that week off. Maybe they were more in vacation mode. Maybe that falls on the head coach. I don't know. Uh, but they also played uh, a really red hot Steelers team that has now won four straight. They're now in the thick of things for, you know, an AFC uh, playoff berth and a team that everyone kind of wrote off after one game against the Patriots. They, you know, they lost like 30 to three or 33 to three. They lost their starting quarterback. And really what they've been able to do is just rally behind the defense. This is also right now, the number one defense in football. People don't want to admit it, but TJ Watt is a phenomenal football player. He's an all pro uh, edge rusher. Um, People don't want to admit it, but Bud Dupree destroying Andrew Whitworth. Whitworth has taken a step back, but let's not just like, trash Bud Dupree like yes he's been somewhat of a bust but up until this point he has but this season he is balling I said that over and over again like Bud Dupree is actually
0: having a really good year. Of course, it's his contract year, so we know how that goes. But still, right. So, you know, I mean, kind of credit.
2: We're credit. Yeah. Good.
0: Looking at this O-line, though, and I understand that, you know, you can say the Rams got hosed by the refs. And I think we're in agreements on a couple of those calls. And if you look back to last year, the Rams won those games. Right. And that's the difference of this team versus oh, yeah. last year is you know, the close games, and we go back and say, oh, we only lost to Seattle by a missed field goal, and we lost this game on a, maybe a bad turnover, and we had a chance still at the very end. And you can go through every single game minus probably the the 49ers game and find a way where the Rams could have won, but they didn't, and that's kind of a difference between this year and last year, and they don't have that stability on the front line. You talk about how great the Steelers were. Well, you got the Bears coming in, and they do have some injuries. You know, uh, Hakeem Nicks is out. Uh, they're also missing Trevathan on that defense. Uh, you know that defensive side, but Cleo Mack. Um, you know a couple of those other guys up front. It's gonna you know cause a problem for these guys. And the question is, can this O line and the offense produce more than three points than they did versus the Steelers? And you know who cares if they're a good team or not? We have to think, can they get it done this week? And that's that's a question that I still don't know if I have the answer, and and you have the answer either. But your thoughts on getting it done this week? Yeah. Cause I, I, was doubling back to that.
2: Um, but what I want to say is that it, the offensive line dealt with some injuries mid game. It's really hard when you prepare with five guys on the offensive line, uh, with the offense, and then you go into the game and you lose your starting center and you lose your right tackle. Um, I mean, your right tackle was a a focal point of the offensive line last year. He was huge. Uh, So you lose those two and then you're starting, you know, Coleman Shelton and you're playing Austin Corbett, who people need to chill out on Austin (laughs) Corbett. The dude probably still doesn't even know the offense yet. They literally just threw him out there. And look, I get, you know, he was the backup and we don't want to talk about he it's not a try this. It's maybe not a measure of how ready he was. But a measure of what they saw in film, like that's how not ready our next guy is. So we're going to try some guy. It's going to be out in left field. But if we need to, we'll just grab this guy, throw him in there just off of, you know, potential alone. Because the guy that understands the offense is that poor. So do you think um, like a full
0: week of you know, practice for these guys is going to show better results exactly. for them? Yes, I do. 100%. There's no way that they will
2: play that bad. Um, and don't get me wrong. You know, Chicago has a good defense. I think I, I you know, spent too much time making it sound like they don't have a good defense. They do. Um, they are only giving up. I believe it's 17 points per game right now. So they're like fourth in the league right now, giving up uh, points. But I'll tell you right now. It's not the same defense as last year. It's not the we're going to score points with this defense right. type of defense. This is a defense that's holding teams. But guess what? They're playing a Rams team that I think finally might have gotten their bell rung enough where like Sean McVay and company like wake up and like, whoa, OK, we have to play Todd Gurley now. We like, you know. <clears throat> I've said this also you try to do right by the guy. That's totally cool, but it's gotten to the point where you're putting Todd in a bad situation because he's looking like he has quote unquote, no heart, right. uh, quote unquote, he's a jerk, but it's like, what do you want him to say? He's been he, clearly, he has instructions not to say right. much in, uh you know, press that is, conferences. I'm, I'm glad, so I'm now glad you brought that up because you know,
0: Todd Gurley, yeah. like, w- like you saw a lot of people be like, oh, when he was asked, basically, you know, you didn't get any, you know, carries in the fourth quarter. And he's like, oh, I'm kind of used to that. And kind of blows it off, and people are like, you know, uh, going back. He's not a team yeah. Well, they're player. going back to all the greats, and all <laughs> like the greats would break. stand up and say, "I need the damn ball and give me the ball in the fourth quarter." And and yeah, I think there's a part of you that wants to hear that in Todd Gurley. But then, what is the what do we do with that if he comes out and says that? Then all of a sudden, oh, Todd Gurley's got a riff with Sean McVay, and it starts to split the the you know how that is going. Excuse me, internally in the in the building. So. I don't know what is the right answer for Todd Gurley there other than not selling out his coach and someone who's making those calls, but also trying to sound aggressive. And maybe he said, yeah, I would love the ball, you know, anytime I can get it, but I got to go with the game plan. Maybe there's a little bit of, of skating around the answer, but Todd Gurley, as we've seen this year, it's kind of over uh, giving the media quote unquote what they want to hear, right? He's just going to say whatever he feels. I think he's, uh, you know, kind of a very, you know, truthful person to, you know, to a fault as far as, you know, giving you what he's thinking at the moment, but also protecting his coach, his players, you know, all that. I mean, he is a team guy. This we, not me is not just a saying. I think it's something that they all believe in and he's getting paid plenty of dollars. It's not like he's probably, you know, upset with financially how it's going. So I don't know. I was, I was kind of interested. I'm glad you brought that up because I also think Todd is put in a weird situation when they ask him that question, because it's like, either do you want to sell out your coach or how do you how do you come out with you know that type of answer without either sounding like a dick or you know throwing someone else under the bus? But it's interesting. Before we get out of here, because I want to talk. Uh, we're going to get over our next segment here, and we'll we'll answer this really quick. We're talking about injuries. Uh, Brandon Cooks is going to sit again this week. Do you expect to see him at all this season? I mean, at some point, if we lose this Bears game, right? Is there a point of bringing him back? Maybe they shut him down. Do you expect to see Brandon Cooks this year? Um, I mean. Y- yeah, uh, it sure sounds like he wants to come back.
2: I mean, if they lose to the Bears, I still think they probably bring him back. Uh, I don't think they're really looking at it like that. I think they're looking at it more um, you know, when you saw, for instance, you saw like Cam Newton get IR'd. I think Cam Newton probably could have played this year, um, but they were like, all right, Kyle Allen's our guy. We're not going to deal with that, you know, controversy. There's no controversy. Brandon Cooks is so much better than Josh Reynolds. I I mean, I really don't have to stress that. Um, That doesn't mean Jay Ray hasn't played solid. I think he's done some things. Would like to let, you know, would like to say, I know people were looking for PI on that last call. And they, you know, rightfully so. I think it's already been said by a former official. He said he would have thrown the flag on that. Um, And and from, you know, the game itself, yes, you absolutely could. But when you're six Mm. foot three, don't you like turn around and try to box out your defender at some point? Like Reynolds just doesn't use his body enough. And so to me, it's just you have a taller version of a Brandon Cooks or a Robert Woods or a Cooper Cup. There's not really anything being brought to the table um at the receiver position. They don't have that big guy. Tyler Higby doesn't do it. Um, they really just use him like a regular, you know, big, tight end, but they don't really throw deep to him. They don't you know, throw up over the top,, uh, you know, Gerald Everett. So I'm going to just say this. I do think Brandon Cooks will be back, but I also want to say I think the Rams are finally going to realize, look, we don't have that red zone target. I think it's it's been the biggest issue for this offense, because when they get in the red zone, not saying they did that much against the Steelers, um, but they haven't been able to do anything. So I think, you know, and I've said this before, and I don't know if I said on your show, but I feel like every team needs a designated red zone target. And the Rams don't have it. They don't have a guy who's six with six, like an Auden Tate or, you know, Gronkowski or, you know, somebody like that, where you can just be like, all right, it's a
0: touchdown 85% of the time. You know, it's like, they don't have that And it's shown this year. We talk about those close games and losing a lot of those close games. Well, that goes back. If you start looking at it, we're kicking field goals, not touchdowns. We're getting, we're moving the football. That's why Jared Goff, you know, at a point was leading the NFL in passing yards. Cause we were moving the football. We would just get to a certain part of the field and just crap out and have to kick a field goal. So uh, I totally agree with you there. And, you know, if you're looking at a red zone target, I think one of them that stands out to you that has shown, you know, some pretty good size and ability to do some of those things you talked about is Gerald Everett. Um, you know, he's, he's got a big size body. It's almost like you talk about Reynolds and wanting him to box out. If he had a little bit more of a, the phys- physique of a, Gerald Everett, the thickness and being able to kind of get his body to to you know use and as a benefit uh, would be a good thing. But you're right, we don't have a red zone target, and it's been a big factor. And then also, uh, I think Sean McVay gets too cute sometimes down in the red zone. We've we've scored a couple times on oh, uh, the wide receiver screens, but I think we we probably throw those too often in the red zone. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely one of those things we got to get figured out. We got to get figured out fast because uh, kicking field goals hasn't done us justice to this point, and it won't do the rest of the season. Uh, and we need to win badly. So we're going to talk about that on the other side. We're going to talk about the matchup versus the Bears. We're going to talk about some predictions. We're going to talk about turning this thing around, uh, putting together a win because the Rams have really built off momentum this year. So a win will be big for us on Sunday. We'll be right back. Thursday edition Lockdown Rams, Jake and Bears, right after this. It's all
1: right right when the pain comes. It's all right, I can't complain, no. The sun's shining. All right, when the rain falls, it's all right when the pain comes. It's all right, I can't complain, Lord. Your sun shining down All right, we
0: are back. We got Jake Ellenbogen with us from Downtown Rams and we talked about it last week. The Pittsburgh game was a must win and moving forward, I think we're, you know, in agreements, like I said earlier, that everything at this point is a must win. The Rams have four of the next six games in primetime. Uh so if we You know, if we pull this thing off and make a run for the playoffs, everyone's going to see it. But if we fall on our face, uh, this will be on national TV. Do you think the primetime games uh, make it more interesting for the Rams or, you know, are in the favor or is this a disadvantage? How do you look at the primetime games and and how it plays out the rest of the season for the Rams?
2: Yeah, you know, good question. I've gotten to the point where I don't even look at, like, when they're playing or where they're playing. It's just the Rams, you know, they've proven they can win any game. You know they've proven they can go to New Orleans and they can beat New Orleans in an FC title game. Sean McVay's proven that. Golf's proven that. You know all those guys, um, you know, returning on the roster. They've proven they can win at home. They've proven they can win on the road. They've proven they can win in London. I mean, you know, so I I look at those primetime games and I, I take it with a grain of salt. You know, they went to Cleveland. That was tough. Coming off an emotional win against a team that you absolutely wanted to beat. It was personal. Um, you beat the Saints at home you you fly out to Cleveland you beat Cleveland all the Super Bowl hype and everything and really at that point you're 3 and 0 like it looked really good for the Rams like to shut down Baker and uh the Cleveland Browns and you know of course the season's gone a little sideways so you know that's just kind of how I look at it. I do think primetime in a sense when you're struggling is it's either it, it's good or, or it's really bad. It, it's going to go really well or it's going to go really bad. And, you know, for instance, I think for like, I think the the Ravens really need that primetime game because they are that good and they need to showcase that in front of the world that, hey, we can beat the Patriots, but we're not going to just beat them. We're going to dominate them and we're going to show off quite possibly the most dynamic weapon in football in Lamar Jackson. And this defense isn't half bad self. Yeah, you know. But on the other side of it, and we've seen this when you're struggling and and you're on prime time, it can go downhill really quickly. The Rams lost back to back games last year, Chicago um, and Philly. Uh, Philly was at home. Chicago was in Chicago. And let's be real here. You know, everyone can say, well, Mitch Trubisky and his broken shoulder, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, beat the Rams. No, no, no. The defense beat the Rams. Mitch Trubisky, he didn't yeah, do it. Jared Goff, Jared Goff, I mean, really, it was like, what, day. 15 to 9 or something? Oh, that too. Um, and, and well, you know, and as much as I want to blame Goff I and mean, he was awful and everything, you don't play in those conditions when you, you know, reside in LA, you know? So that was just kind of one of those weird games where you, unfortunately, uh, I don't know, someone in the schedule making process hated your guts It made you go out to Soldier Field in
0: December. Yeah, well, I mean, to (laughs) a point, right? But also, you know, you're not going to look and I know some of these guys uh, come from, you know, some cold climate, but you wouldn't look at Russell if he played in L.A. and then went to Chicago and be like, well, it's because he played in cold weather and and someone hates him like Russ is going to get it done. Right. I mean, and that's what I think we're starting to realize, realize about where Jared Goff fits in in this elite category or this conversation about quarterbacks, because when you start to put things against him, uh, he has kind of in lack of a better term, he's kind of crumbled under some of the pressure and not been able to kind of step up and make, really? you know, some of those big time plays that you expect from a big time quarterback. So uh, we've seen Russell, I mean, that was one of the complaints from them coming up for longest time. He got no O line. I mean, the year before he led the league and rushing and passing and was running around like a maniac with his head cut off but he was getting it done, you know, and that's the thing about, and I'm not saying, you know, look at Jared as a mobile quarterback or look at him getting around and running around and making plays and extending it that way. Um, But you just don't see some of the fight that you're seeing in a guy like Tom Brady. And I know Tom Brady's the top of the level there, but uh, we need to start to see some of that grit from this quarterback. I think moving forward to kind of get one, our fan base behind him, but also the team as the captain, you know, some of those ugly turnovers that he has, whether they're, you know, that throw to the right side where he overthrew and threw in a double coverage where it was kind of almost like a oh. 50-50 ball in his head when he threw it. And then a lot of the strip sacks fumbles where his arms are flailing and the ball's go- going all over. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm also like, well, I don't blame him calling it a fumble. I mean, Jerry Goff makes it look like a fumble the way he's flailing. And, you know, he just kind of looks awkward at times. but. <laughs> You know, that's that's a whole other conversation that me and you are probably going to have 20 times, uh, you know, from here to the offseason and then through the offseason. But we'll get to this game because we're talking about the Bears and this matchup. And, you know, we talked about last year's matchup and how Jared Goff really was left clueless in some of this some of that game and how to move the football. And, you know, are we going to see the same thing? Are they going to be able to adapt? Is Sean McVay finally going to give Todd Gurley a fourth quarter carry? Are they going to run the ball? 30 times. What is your expectation for this game and score prediction and, and how it's going to play out? So this is going to be fun
2: because I'm going to make the bold prediction. The Rams run the ball 35 times. I like, I like 35. it. Five. Uh, regardless if it's Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, John Kelly, I, frankly, I don't give a damn, but what I'll say this, Todd Gurley is the engine for this offense. So <clears throat> I'm lying. I do not give a <laughs> damn. Um, <laughs> so he- here's what I propose. If you only have, say, 15 snaps that you can give Todd Gurley. How about this? You start Malcolm Brown. Y- you use Daryl Henderson. You use John Kelly. You weaken this defense. It's already weakened by injury. And then you put Todd Gurley in the fourth quarter and he closes the door like he's Marlon like Yeah. Like, seriously, why don't we do that? Like what if I was if I was Sean McVay? That's what I'm doing. If I don't have Todd Gurley the whole game, I like you know I only have 15 carries. I'm gonna give those 15 carries a, a rapid fire in a, the fourth quarter. Like I'm sorry, Chicago. Like you're you're going down. Like I, I'm you're not. We talked stopping. about
0: this. I uh, think a couple weeks ago when I had um, Derek C Paul on, we were talking about different and creative ways to you know, utilize our three running backs and how could it be done? And that was one of the things that we talked about was kind of this closer role that you're talking about, bring them in. My one question is as a running back, that position you're used to as a running back or a prime time running back is getting those carries throughout the game. And then in the fourth quarter, wearing them down and kind of getting into your group. So I'm just wondering, can a football player like Todd Gurley, who there is questions about the knee and whatnot, come off the bench cold in the second half, late third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever it is, and you start pump feeding him. One, is he going to be productive? Does he need those first 10 carries to kind of warm up, to get going, to see how the holes, to feel the blocks, to kind of feel the momentum of the game before he kicks it into that next gear? That would be my only you know, counter debate to that. But I love it as far as a, hey, it's something different. Instead of, you know, giving him 8 to 10 carries and spread it out and he doesn't see the ball in the fourth quarter. And, you know, from what we're doing now, I like it a lot. So uh, my question is for, you know, Sean McVay, are you going to do anything different? You know, are you going to look to, like you said, 35 rushes would be awesome. Are you going to go back to the jet motion? Because that was working very
2: well. And all of a sudden, nope, decide not to use that. Or the, uh, the audible they called against the Bengals. Which was really impressive. Um, I I think I mentioned on your show when they basically isolated. Okay, they they had Jared Goff in the um the I formation, and then they I think they had Gerald Everett fullback, and um it was Todd I think in the backfield, but uh, then Jared um you know audibled out of it and went into the gun, and it it was almost like a trips formation. I haven't seen it in a bit, so I forget exactly the formation, but. They went in the shotgun, and what they did is they isolated Josh Reynolds against Jermaine Pratt. Now, if you guys don't know, Jermaine Pratt's a rookie linebacker. You can imagine who won that, line, that matchup because guess what? Josh Reynolds was standing in the end zone with right. the football. Um, the last time the Rams did that that I can remember, and it worked, Cooper Cup versus Anthony Barr last year in, in right. the Vikings game. See, things like that are what makes Sean McVay so creative. Now, people forget, and I think it's kind of just kind of gone, you know, kind of off the radar a little bit. Sean McVay will beat you with like underhanded things like with, oh, there's a there's the legal pick there or illegal pick that you just as long as you don't get caught, it's legal, right? Um, He uses a lot of that. He uses a lot of let's get my best receiver, you know, one on one with their linebacker. Let's disrupt this defense before we even snap the football like things like that. And I just didn't see anything like that uh, against the Steelers. It was really bizarre. So I think this is like I said, I think this is the game. They got their bell rung. They didn't get blown out. But when you lose a close one, it hurts way more than when you lose a blowout and uh, especially on the road. So McVeigh is going to be hurting after this. And I think he's going to get in the lab and he's going to get down to the bottom of this and if that's not the case, then, you know, the Rams are going to have a hard time making the playoffs. But I do expect them to run the football, and I think it's going to be a 24-21
0: affair. 24-21, and uh, I'm going to come down a little bit here. And I've been living in the uh, 2013 world of uh, Rams 20, Bears 13. I, I just don't know. I don't believe this offense yet until I see it, especially with the the questions we got at O-line what we've seen in the fourth quarter from Sean McVay and not, and and kind of just uh, almost seeming like having a lack of an understanding of what he wants to do himself in in the game. As far as play calling, there's so many times and with all the penalties being behind the chains and just kind of losing the playbook, you know, for what he wants to do. So I need to see it first. I'm going to say 2017 or 2013, uh, Rams also wouldn't be surprised with the 2017 I think this thing's gonna be close uh, because it's gonna be a big defensive matchup I think Jared Goff still is capable of moving the football down the field and putting up some points so uh, we'll see how this Bears defense travels out to Los Angeles but Jake man we appreciate as always you coming on chatting with us breaking all these things down giving us opinion not afraid to put out a bold statement there 35 rushes I hope you're right my man Uh, but we will talk next week about all of it. Hopefully the Rams come away with a win and we're still talking playoffs. So appreciate it, my man. And we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks so
2: much for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, You know, obviously I wish things went a little better, (laughs) you know, a little different, but I just am going to say it over and over again, guys. I think you guys need to be confident. I think at least Sean McVay has earned that. Um, And five and four, guess what? As bad as that looks, you would have killed for that in 2016. And another thing, Sean McVay still hasn't had the most losses in the season yet, and he is one loss away from tying that. He has not even hit that yet, so it's not over. There's plenty of football left, and if you're looking at the schedule thinking, oh, the Rams can't beat them, just take it a game at a time. When you look at it where, oh, the Rams have to win out, yes, it looks a little bleak, but when you take it you know, one game at a time, it, it looks way more realistic, and I do think the Rams can make the playoffs. I really do. I think they
0: will make the playoffs, not I think they can. I think they will. Um, I think they drop one more one game at a time. Rams. We're above 500. Just got to keep stacking those wins and find a way to get in. It's not about how you get there. It's about getting into the dance and from there it is a brand new season so we'll have to see if we can get there jake ellenbogen would appreciate it with that said rams nation you know what it is until next time God bless. Peace. World, chance on
1: a record doing fifer real do a happy dance on a record sunday morning singing boy i need ranch on a record sunday morning dressing yeah i need ranch on a record ready for that blessing going pray him on a record get the holy ghost to go and put his hands on a record you know he's on fire nba jam- For the record Sending praises higher This is who I am For the record When the rain